How's everybody doing? I hope everybody is okay. Um, we're still going through it. Still going through it. Um, it's been about maybe a little over a week since the last time I spoke to you and things haven't gotten any better. Um, we witnessed another young black man shot in the back Jacob Blake from Kenosha, Wisconsin shot in the back seven times by a police officer and um, you know now he is paralyzed from the waist down 29 year old man young man with children and it just so happens that while he was shot in the back, he, his children were in the car and watched that happen. I mean, these police officers are out of control. The way that they shoot first and ask questions later, it just can't happen anymore. It's happened since the police force has been around. And it continues to happen now in 2020. Amidst everything that's going on, the racial injustice that goes on in this country, and all the folks standing up for it, protesting, trying to uh, protest peacefully, and we just can't catch a break. They shot another young man in L.A., Dijon, Ke I think it's Keezy, murdered him, um, riding a bicycle, violating some kind of traffic law or something. He resists arrest, runs away. The cops pursue on foot. There's a small altercation, I believe. He might have hit one of the police officers in the face, dropped a bundle of clothing that he was carrying. A gun falls out. He takes off without the gun. And the cops take about 11 shots, and one of them hits him in his head and kills him. And now he's dead. It's like, when's it going to end? I don't know if it will ever end unless we train these police officers in the right way. When they 
are allowed to go years and years without any repercussions or any accountability or any jail time. What do we expect? What do we expect? They don't get in trouble. They don't go to jail. They're protected behind that blue wall. And you have Donald promoting their actions. Doesn't want to say a bad thing about the police, but loves to talk about these peaceful protesters and people standing up for justice. I mean, that's his whole re-election uh, bid right now is to project that people on the left and these uh, far leftists, like he likes to call them, anarchists, uh, rioters and looters, that we are destroying the country destroying democracy in the country and the funny thing is is that we notice that these we see an, uh, an uptick in violence when these vigilante gunmen come in here into whatever city may be protesting at the time because it seems like it's everywhere at the moment and these guys come in there geared up with their AR-15s and M-16s and whatever other kind of assault rifle you want to you want to name and they come to these places sometimes out of state which just happened last week and they come here to quote protect businesses and the towns a lot of times they're not even from these towns but they come there with some sort of uh, some sort of, as some sort of Patriot Act that they're going to protect us, and that's when the violence ensues, and that's when things get heated, and that's when things people start to clash, is because you have these clowns coming in there thinking that they are doing something that they should be doing, you know, fighting fighting against um, equality for people, which is just outrageous on a human level. And then Donald promotes them and stands up for them and talks about democratic-run cities and how they're falling and crumbling. And you look around and really, honestly, the only city that's been... Um, you know, ongoing with protest is, is Portland. It's basically just been Portland. I mean, everywhere else you really haven't heard um, any kind of craziness or any kind of burning or anything. I mean, of course, in Kenosha, after Jacob Blake was, sh was shot for no reason in front of his children, um, you had some buildings burned down. People are outraged, they're angered, they're tired of it, they're fed up. And 
it isn't right to burn buildings down and to loot and all those kind of things. But you have certain people that are going to do that no matter what. There's always going to be some someone in that in a group, no matter what it is, wrong or right, that's going to do something like that because they can get away with it in the moment. And they're not necessarily there for the right reasons. They're there to go out and cause destruction and burn something down. And the question I have for these militias and these vigilante types that come to these places and try to protect these towns and businesses and end up shooting people and murdering people. I mean, is the, is the building worth more to you than a human life? Buildings can be rebuilt. Businesses can grow again. But once you kill someone, that's it. It's over. You can't take that back. And like I've said before, these guys are looking for a reason to shoot their guns because they don't get in trouble for it. And the president has their back. He needs them. He wants them. That's why he doesn't want to talk bad about the police. It's why he talks up the militias and the alt-right because he needs them. And guess what? He's one of them. He just likes to wear a suit and that awful red tie. It's the only difference. And you have a 17-year-old kid, Kyle Rittenhouse, who crossed state lines, part of a militia, Trump supporter, comes to Kenosha and ends up killing two, two young people and, and wounding another one. Now, from watching the video, I don't know what transpired before the video starts from what I saw. You know, I see him kind of clashing um, with a couple of protesters and next thing you know, somebody comes over, um, he gets hit with a skateboard and then next thing you know, bullets start to fly and people are murdered. And, and Trump wants to try to wiggle out of the uh, question um, and support this kid. It's just not right. And he's in Kenosha today. He was in Kenosha today for about three hours. Doing what he does. Doesn't mention Jacob Blake's name. Doesn't plan to visit the family. And guess what? The family didn't want to see Trump. And I don't blame them. But it's the fact that we can look at this president. Um, and when we have all this unrest going on. All this violence. The president should be the one that we can count on to come in and not stoke the fire, but put it out. And he, do, he doesn't do that. He didn't talk to the family of George Floyd. And now he doesn't talk to the family of Jake Blake. 
That says a lot. He can't because of the person he is, the person that he is. He can't. I, like I said, I don't blame the Blake family for not wanting to see or talk to Trump. I wouldn't want to either. But the fact of the matter is that if things were different and Trump was a different person, he would be there as president to talk about these things and try to calm that family and and um, and and give them something to to hope for and try to help that family. But instead, he goes on the news and says things like, oh, there could have been a weapon in the car and things like that. Even if there was a weapon in the car, the cop didn't have to shoot that man in his back seven times. Could have tackled him, he could have yoked, yanked him from the back and threw him on the ground. There was other police officers around him. Sure, they could have subdued Jacob Blake. But he did what a lot of cops just do. They shoot because they're scared. They're not trained. And to have that man's children in the car, I really doubt that Jacob Blake was planning on grabbing a weapon, whether there was a knife there or not. Guess what? I have a knife in my car too, and I think a lot of people do. Doesn't mean he was going to use it on the police officers. I doubt he was that stupid to try to grab a knife and bring a knife to a gunfight. All he was trying to do was get in his car and close the door and the cops shot him in the back. Plain and simple, that's all that happened. I really doubt he was going to try to have a knife fight with a bunch of police officers while his children watched watched it all go go on. It doesn't make any sense. It's not what, what was going to happen. The cops fucked up like they usually do. And they killed someone. Well, they didn't kill him. I don't know how he lived with seven bullets in his back, but now the man is paralyzed. It's just unfair. It's not right. And it goes on to, it goes on, it happens too often. And for the president, ugh, I hate saying that, when Donald, when Donald uses a platform of law and order to scare the suburbanites and basically white people, um, the majority white people, to scare them into thinking that Democratic-run cities are going to burst into flames because we are anarchists. And that kind of thing, that sort of rhetoric, is, a, is, a, is an awful thing to promote to the American public. This is his presidency. This is going on while he's the president. All this violence. It doesn't make any sense. And Biden spoke, I think it was yesterday, and it was, um, it was great. It was another great speech by Biden. Um, he slammed Trump, as he should. Doesn't sound like he has any cognitive uh, issues at the moment, the last two times I've heard him speak. So I guess Trump could uh, put that to rest. And he has, because he knew that was a joke, too. That's what he does. Name calls. Cheats. 
lies. Trump is a coward. That's why he can't go and he doesn't choose to go talk to the Floyd family or the Blake family. That's why he doesn't mention their names. He's a coward. He doesn't know how to console those families or have any empathy for those families. He wouldn't know what to do but stand there like a tree, lean forward like some goon. I don't know how anybody can still vote for this man at this point. What, else, what, what more evidence do you need that he doesn't care one lick about any of us? And that goes for any of his supporters out there too. By him telling you, you don't have to wear a mask and you can gather together and go back to life as normal, he's basically setting you up for a death sentence. So he doesn't care about you either. He just wants your fucking vote. And he's going to get it no matter any way he can. He's going to get it any way he can. And that's by cheating. Because he can't win in normal circumstances without cheating. He cheated before, he got in there, now he's in there now, and he's going to try to do everything he can. Postal service, spreading these lies about what the country will turn into if it's Biden's America. Give me a break. This is Trump's America right now, and look, what, look, look, look what's going on. Look what's happening in four fucking years, not even four years yet. Look what's happened. I mean, we have to wake up. And the time is now. We are, I mean, we're like, I don't know, what is it, 70 days or 60 some days before election day? I mean, it's just like, it's nuts. It's, 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 it's here. It's here. We've got two months, basically. Today is September 1st. We've got two months. lot has gone on we've all gone through a lot this year no matter what side you're on we've all been through it the thing is you'd think that with a global pandemic and what's happened here in america especially you know we are the leaders in um not handling it in the proper fashion so the rest of the world is looking at us like what is going on in america but for us to have this go on and then all the protests for Black Lives Matter and all the pushback and counter protest along with it, you'd think we'd be able to come together as a people and have a little empathy. But guess what? That other side, those counter protesters, those Trump fans, they don't have empathy. They, they can't because they, they vote for someone like Trump. And I don't want to sit, sit up here and think that, I don't want to think that every single Trump supporter is a bad person. I don't believe that in my heart. I just believe there's too many of them that are bad people that can make a difference when it comes to the vote in November. And that's the scary part. Because there's a lot of people, whether they're out there with the AR-15s and with their Confederate flags and Nazi flags and all that kind of shit, there's a lot of people who secretly hate 
and stay behind the scenes and do their dirt that way. So there's a lot of people out here who aren't on the right side of things when it comes to just being a human being and caring about another human being. When will it end? You know, the way that we allow people to tote these guns in this country is insane. It's fucking insane. You know, I was talking to my brother, who is a gun owner. And, you know, watching this 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse murder these two kids and have these militia groups walk down the street with these assault rifles really blows my mind. I mean, it really, really does. I'm not, I haven't been living under a rock, but it's just, we see it now every day because of what the, the civil unrest going on in our country right now. So it's on the news all the time and there's clashes all the time. You got the Trump side and you got the non-Trump side. And we're going, we're, we're just butting heads nonstop. Beating the shit out of each other, literally every single night. But watching these guys be able to walk down the street with loaded automatic weapons and semi-automatic weapons is insane. In America, it's insane that they are allowed to do that, to, to walk by police officers and just do it. You know, I think handguns are bad enough. You know, if I see somebody with, you know, carrying a handgun on their hip, that's bad enough. It makes you, it, it's disturbing somewhat. But to see these guys in full camouflage gear with bulletproof vests and helmets and AR-15s, it just like, man, it takes your breath away because it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be like that here. I can't believe that's even allowed. But you know, it's America, so you know, we're a bunch of cowboys and that's what we do. Shoot first, ask questions later. We have to get Trump out. It will be four more years of this room what we're going through for the last three or four months. It will be like this for, for the next four years if he stays in office. Believe me. And guess what? It, it might even be worse. I'm going to think. I'm going to say it would be worse if Trump stays. We need a change. We need something else. When I hear Biden speak, guess, guess what he sounds like? He sounds like a president when he speaks. Now I got on here last episode and as almost like an apology almost because of some of the prior episodes I had where I, 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 I didn't talk so highly of Joe Biden. He wasn't my pick. I was a Bernie, uh, I was a Bernie guy and I wanted Bernie and I didn't like some of Joe's past choices. But when it comes to this now, I support Joe Biden 100%. 
because he is something different. I think he, in his heart, understands and empathizes with everyone. He is not a fan of the violence, he said it, like, like any of us aren't. I don't think most people are into the violence or the destruction of property or those sort of things. You know, you got some really young people out here now that are caught in the moment, um, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's a lot, of, a lot of white kids, a lot of young white kids, you know, some hipster types that are out there, and it's almost like, uh, you know, it's fun for them. Let's be honest. I'm not saying everyone there. I'm not saying all the white people out there or young white people out there are doing this, but I think that for the majority some of the buildings you've seen burned down and the property destruction and those kind of things are done by young by younger white people. But younger black folks are the ones being blamed because that's what we've always done here in this country is blame the black community for this kind of thing. I'm not saying there's never been um, or there, there has. I don't know. I'm just taking a guess from what I see, what I read, what I, what I sense. You know, that's just how I feel. And I could be wrong, but I think that's kind of what's going on a lot of times. Or you even have, um, you have people from the other side, the alt-right or whatever, these militia groups that are under the guise of being on the left and they go in there and they blow shit up or burn things down and then it gets blamed on Antifa or whatever. You know, don't think that doesn't happen. I mean, of course it happens. I've got a co-worker who was a Trump fan who basically told me that that's bullshit. That nobody from the right side would do that. It's not what's happening. Don't fool yourself. Trump knows it. And he is going to promote this law and order until November. He's going to ride with it. You know, we just got done the DNC and then the RNC and I'll tell you what the RNC was really scary to watch really scary and tough of course for me you know and anyone who doesn't believe in that bullshit but it was tough and scary these people look scary they sound scary um, they are scary they're in a different a whole nother realm than I'm at I, I don't I can't connect with any of those people I wouldn't know what to do around them and I wouldn't want to be around them. And then, you know, Trump using the White House as his backdrop against the law, against the rules. But, you know, Trump doesn't abide by our rules because he's Trump. He gets to do whatever the fuck he wants to do. You know, there's a certain respect you should have for the House, for the White House and your presidency. And he just doesn't have it. He's never had it. He never will have it. Um, it's just the way it is. And for him to use the White House like that, so wrong. You got Joe Biden standing in a school gymnasium. You know, that's real shit. That's how you're supposed to do it. You don't have all the pomp and the all that, you know, all those ceremonies and using the military. He just, he's such a fucking cheater. He just cheats his way along and uh, nobody calls him out for it. Nobody, he doesn't get in any trouble. He doesn't ever get stopped. 
They're all scared of him. Those Republicans, the awful Republicans, this group of Republicans for the last, you know, 30 years or whatever, these people are awful. And they enabled him, and they're all a bunch of cowards, just like their leader. So they go hand in hand, and they work well together, don't they? You know, Mitch McConnell again, putting a halt on any kind of relief funds for people or anything. They want to put out some kind of like $500 million or billion dollar, whatever it is. And it's just not enough. The greed. There it is again. And Trump, you know, back to the RNC, you know, packing all those, all those people in there on the lawn, on the South Lawn and all that kind of stuff. No masks, no social distancing. Just putting a message out there like, it's over. It's all over. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to see here, everybody. We're going to go back to life as normal. See? And you get people coming down with COVID. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's really ridiculous what he has been allowed to get away with for this long. That he's not in jail yet. And I don't really care if that sounds harsh. He should be in jail. He should definitely be in jail. And hopefully, one day he will be in jail. And we can all watch him do that perp walk with the hands behind his back. Watch your head, Donnie. Getting into the car. I hope that's the ending to all this madness. Because he deserves to be behind bars. He's killed thousands and thousands of people during this pandemic by his incompetence and his ignorance. And that's on him. It is his fault. Let's be blunt. It's his fault. He's the commander and he botched this whole thing. And he still has no, no urgency to try to fix the problem or have a plan. Now he's just brought in some other guy, some Dr. Atlas that has no background in um, infectious diseases, anything, any credibility. But he wants to, he wants to push the whole the herd theory thing. Which doesn't work. And he's a Trump guy. So he's going to listen to Donald and do what Donald says. So he's the opposite of Fauci. They got this guy. Postmaster General. They're all crooked. They're all corrupt. Just puts his people in there. He drops them down, places them in where he needs them. And just waits. And just waits. While everything is falling apart. He doesn't care. It's not really affecting him. His aim is to win that re-election. To keep that power he has. Because that kind of, that, that, that gets him excited. Power, money. We have to um, 
We have to do this. We have to get it. We have to get out and vote. There's no messing around anymore. This is, it has to happen. I just want to get on here and, um, voice my opinion about that. Um, you know, the virus didn't go anywhere. We're up to, I think, 180,000 Americans now have died from this virus. And there's no end in sight. Hope you all keep your head up. I'm trying to. I'm trying. So I hope you are as well. I hope your families are well. And I hope you get out and vote in November. And I hope you make the right vote. We can't do this anymore. We can't have four more years of this. Before I go, I just wanted to make mention of Chadwick Bozeman and um, his untimely death. I mean, Chadwick is the same age as me, and it really made me think, and it really surprised me when I woke up Saturday and I saw that on the news feed. I literally cried out, fuck. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And for him to suffer in silence like that and to keep that to himself and to make the, the, the epic movies he made and to give the performances he gave in those movies is just amazing to me. Jackie Robinson, 42. He's Thurgood Marshall. And of course, he was the Black Panther. I just feel so upset for all those kids <clears throat> who looked up to him and had hope and finally got to see um, a superhero that looked like them. And it's just crazy that, um, you know, this fucking year, man, this is 2020 is, uh, it's just something. It's just something. It's almost like the symbolism behind that is just nuts. That everything going on with um, racial injustice and just everything going on right now, and how that he dies. It's just like another huge blow to the, to the black community. And I just wanted to say um, that he will be terribly missed and rest in peace, Chadwick, Wakanda forever. Be good to everybody, be good to each other, and um, like I say, keep your heads up. We're going to get through this, and uh, we're going to win, so keep that in mind, we're going to win. Thank you to anyone who listened 
and I'll see you on the next one. Peace. The reality of this show, you know, ends in song. Ah. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to. You'll never sing a James Brown song. Yeah. For, I just accepted it. It's just weird when, you know. It's okay. You don't have to. I don't have to you sing. Can, no, you have to sing. <laughs> no. No. Come on. Your child, this guy has taken on everything. He's fearless. You're Black Panther. You, you couldn't shy away from a little bit of something. Mm. Let me see what let me see what what I say. Grandma's hands clapped in church on Sunday morning. Grandma's hands. Play the tambourine so well. Grandma's hands used to issue out a warning. She say, Chad, don't you run so fast. It might fall on a piece of glass. Might be snakes there in that grass. Grandma's hands. This just in, actor Chadwick Boseman has died. He was just 43 years old. Everybody is the hero in their own story. He, of course, starred in Black Panther. The impact of that is something that nobody can actually write about. Yet. I hope people are proud when they finish watching the movie. He broke stereotypes and became a role model for black youth. Bozeman had been fighting colon cancer for four years, but never spoke about his diagnosis. Bozeman has probably begun a weight loss regimen for a future role. Superpower you wish you had in real life. I wish I could freeze time. You gotta get sick of hearing Wakanda. No, I want Wakanda. I want us to be Wakanda. Wakanda represents a thing that the people are proud of, people aspire to. We know what it's like to be beneath and not above. And that is what we went to work with every day. If we're around here assuming that the black characters in the show are criminals, on drugs, and deadbeat parents, then that would be stereotypical, wouldn't it? He slid my resume back in his desk and said, we'll be watching you. Once I got the first script, once I saw the role I was playing, I found myself conflicted. The role wasn't necessarily stereotypical. A young man in his formative years with a violent streak pulled into the allure of gang involvement. That's somebody's real story. But I was conflicted because this role seemed to be wrapped up in assumptions about us as black folk. I was conflicted. It was just my luck that after filming the first two episodes, execs of the show called me into their office and offices and told me how happy they were with my performance. They wanted me to be around for a long time. They said, if there was anything that I needed, just let them know. That was my opening. I decided to ask them some simple questions about the background of of my character, questions that I felt were pertinent to the plot. Question number one, where's my father? The exec answered, well, he left when you were younger. Of course. Question number two, if this script 
In this script, it alluded to my mother not being equipped to operate as a good parent. So why, why exactly would, would my little brother and I have to go into foster care? Matter of factly, he answered, well, of course, she's on heroin. That could be real, I guess. But I didn't want to assume that's what it was. If, if we're around here assuming that the black characters in the show are criminals on drugs and deadbeat parents, then that would probably be stereotypical, wouldn't it? That word stereotypical lingered. One of the execs pulled out my resume and began studying. The other exec wore a smile, trying to live up to what they had promised me only a few moments before. If there's anything you need, just let us know. He slid my resume back in his desk and said, thank you for your concerns. We'll be watching you. I was let go from that job on the next day. A, call, a phone call from my agent. They decided to go another way. But when you have those moments alone, you start to wonder if there was a better way to handle it. And if you could have if you could have handled it better, maybe you could help your family. And, and then before you know it, you're broke and you find yourself scraping together change just so you can ride the subway so that you can get the next job. And maybe if you could book something else, that would eclipse the feeling of doubt that's building. But it seems like you can't pay them to hire you now. My agents at the time told me it might be a while before I got a job acting on screen again. We're hesitant about sending you out to some people right now because there is a stigma that you're difficult. We all know what it's like to be told that there is not a place for you to be featured, yet you are young, gifted, and black. We know what it's like to be the tail and not the head. We know what it's like to be beneath and not above. And that is what we went to work with every day because we knew that we had something special that we wanted to give the world, that we could be full human beings in the roles that we were playing, that we, cre we could create a world that exemplified a world that we wanted to see. Well, Wakanda is not, is not, you know, it's not a real place because it's a fictitious place in Africa. But I think it's become, um, you know, this this idea of, of, of excellence and hope and has become sort of a total to a certain degree that, uh, that people are proud of, people aspire to. Wakanda represents a thing that can make people in real life want to live up to a certain thing. There, there are two, um, two little kids, uh, Ian and Taylor, who um, recently passed uh, from cancer. And throughout our filming, I was communicating with them, um, knowing that they were both terminal. And, and what they said to me is, and their parents said, they just, they're trying to hold on till this movie comes. And to a certain degree, it's a humbling experience because I think back now to a kid and just, you know, uh, waiting for Christmas to come, waiting for my birthday to come. I did live life waiting for those moments. 
And so it put me back in the mind of being a kid. And when I found out that they... Yeah, it's, it's, it means a lot. Sometimes you need to feel the pain and sting of defeat to activate the real passion and purpose that God predestined inside of you. Purpose crosses disciplines. Purpose is an essential element of you. It is the reason you are on the planet at this particular time in history. Your very existence is wrapped up in the things you are here to fulfill. Whatever you choose for a career path, remember the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. I don't know what your future is, but if you are willing to take the harder way, the more complicated one, the one with more failures at first than successes, the one that has ultimately proven to have more meaning, more victory, more glory, then you will not regret it.
Tell me, tell me.